This is episode 508 of the Eventing Radio Show, brought to you by Eventing Riders Association of North America. We'd like to thank our title sponsor, Bit of Britain. Find everything you need for eventing at bitofbritain.com. This week, we have Boyd Martin, we have Carl Daniels, and Sharon Clawson. This is Max in very wet, rainy, thunderstormy Lexington, Kentucky. And this is Joe from wet, rainy, thunderstormy (laughs) Ocala, Florida, and you are listening to the Eventing Radio Show. So, Max, it's uh, it's not as sunny and lovely as we're used to. No, I know it's actually quite nice, though. I mean, it's uh, we we needed a bit of rain here, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's okay. Uh, it's okay. We were we're absolutely desperate for rain here. Yeah, um, yeah. Really, so we're we're really really enjoying it. I think I I think I left the sunshine behind with yeah. me in in the UK. Yeah, you had a good good bit of trip over there, didn't you? Yeah, no, everyone was very pleased to see me. They said, Joe, you've brought the sun. Oh, very nice of you. And I said, well, you're welcome. You are just a little ray of sunshine. (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah. (laughs) No, I had a a fabulous trip um, with with my great mates, Tammy Smith and Katie Rupel. We um, went around and looked at horses and things. Got to go to Badminton Horse Trials, which was pretty cool. cool. And I want to say a big big shout-out to all my mates and people that put up that, that found tickets and found wristlets and found car passes and things like that for me. The, thank you very much, guys. I appreciate all that um, because I sort of – a bit of a whip round near the end, Facebook message, who's got a ticket for Joe? Um, yeah. But it was all good. But, yeah, no, we got to talk to Course Max and, um, yeah, a bit of a contrast to last year where yeah. it was uh, a bit of a killer, whereas this year – you know, just after coming off of Kentucky, I would have said that it was uh, quite a bit smaller in dimensions. Uh, oh, pretty, okay. pretty, pretty technical. A yep. long way. Twelve minutes is a long way. Yeah. Um, in, the, in, the, in these days, you know, but it's it's relatively um, flat there. I mean, there's not a lot except for out the back. There's not a lot of undulation, is there? No. 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 no but twelve flat. minutes is still a long. It's a long haul. Yeah. No, there's this hardly this hardly a hill. It's pretty flat. Yeah. Twelve minutes is a long haul, but the ground really did make a big difference. Yeah. It had a lot of rain. It had cleared up, but it hadn't really Gotten there's sticky. still a lot of yeah, yeah, still a lot of moisture in the air and, and, and humidity, so that didn't really dry out. I mean, like for the people uh, People that live here in, in the United States, um, England, when it dries out, it, I think you have a window of about two weeks where it goes from hock deep mud to hard as concrete. Um, and it sort of was closer to the hock deep mud. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was, it was tough on the horses and, and, but I think it made for a great competition, you know, and yeah. Janelle, I think that our listeners listened to her last week on the radio show um, interviewed by Liz and Paul, but Janelle did made such a great effort and she would have gone inside the time if she hadn't have had that, little hiccup of the water and things and her horse just skipped across the top whereas some of the other horses found it a little bit hard work but i you know yeah. this is what i i think this is what's happening max i think with the new scoring system people will be looking at a more galloping horse more yes, in the future. yeah so, yeah and, and a good show and you gotta have a good show jumper now too i mean that is really that that really changed the placings didn't it yeah it makes all yeah. it makes all it yeah. all the difference so yeah so it was that 
So you uh, were doing that, and I was at my badminton, which was house, the house. Southern Eights three-day, which let me yeah. tell you what, Joe, that is a, have you ever been there? It is a awesome place. It is such a beautiful facility. Okay, so we're, tell us exactly where it is. You told me it's that in, you, you drove past Tryon to get there. Is that yeah, right? Chats, Chats Field. No, so I'm going to say this. Chesterfield, South Carolina. It is um, just over the South Carolina, into South Carolina border. And, right. it's, uh, and it's from um, east of Charlotte. And uh, a very nice man named Brad owns it. And it is the most, it is so beautifully built. It is gorgeous. It's, um, it is just such a great place. And uh, I was helping uh, my friend Heidi and my friend Audrey do the novice and beginner novice three-day event, long format. and Long format three-day event. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And they were having, they had, everybody had such a good time. It was such a great learning curve. And we had, we had a blast. It was so much fun. And um, it was great. Heidi was second in her beginner novice division and Audrey won her novice division. And it was wow. awesome. They were super. And we had, we had a blast. It was a really good time. And they, did a really nice, um, um, they had just had a really nice, uh, atmosphere there. The barns are beautiful. They had a, um, a, a, a Kentucky Derby party and it was great. We, we really had, we had such a good time um, and I never would have awesome known nice. it was there, but it's a beautiful place and they have the horse trials from beginner novice to preliminary as well. And it was, it was beautiful. It was really nice. I, I highly suggest it. How was the weather? It was hot actually. Yeah. It was quite warm. Um, I mean, it's, you know, it's South Carolina in May, but it was um, warmer than I, I think everybody expected. It was quite warm, but the horses dealt with it fine. They had misting fans for the horses in the, in the D box and the, in the finish area and in the vet box. And, um, you know, the steeplechase was great and it was great. It was, they, they really do. They put on a really great event. I, Cindy DePorter, Leslie Therrell, she, they put this on together and, um, it was awesome. It was really good fun. So and then South we went Car- out to the, so, yeah. South Carolina, was there like, barbecue and people sitting on porches no uh, many people <laughs> it was sort of in the was not i wouldn't say it was really close to anything so a lot of people right. actually um had campers that they didn't rented see, didn't see many porches them. not many porches not many okay. of anything um you know brad owns uh, quite a big chunk of land there and um so um yeah it was but it was it was it, it's out there but it is it's well worth it um, but it was fun because a lot of people camped and so that was kind of fun um, uh, to do that. And then, um, yeah, it was good. Then off to Jersey fresh where, um, you know, we'll be talking to Boyd Martin about his, uh, whirlwind of winds and his horses and such. And, um, yeah. And nobody uh, actually, I have to, um, I was about give, to say Max. It was, it was pretty great. And I'm going to yeah. say this wrong, but the Bo Meyer Ingelheim, the, the crew that makes Gastrogard and legend and that group, they put on a, a tent out front, um, outside of the stabling, they put in a nice um, little area where they had a couch and they put rubber yeah. mats down. So we were standing and, on it. it. But this GMX, nobody lost their cookies or drove the porcelain bus. Nobody chucked. Nope. Nope. Yep. Nobody chucked. And uh, it was nice. It was a good event. It was, um, you know, the horse ambulance didn't move. The human ambulance didn't move and nobody got, nobody threw up. So I would say it was a success. Well, listeners, the contrast from last year. <laughs> Luckily, Joe was one of the few people that didn't get sick and eat the chicken salad. But it was a, no, it's a, a huge relief that. So yeah, yeah. but um, so it was a good event, Max. But it was um, a good event. yeah, yeah. 
rained it rained cats and dogs on the last day, didn't it? Oh uh, yeah, it, it, not the whole day, but for a lot of it, it just sort of got right. real cold and rainy. But um, but the uh, we got a bit of rain on Friday night, a bit of rain uh, early Saturday morning. So the cross country track actually was quite good. Um, yeah. and, uh, it was good. Um, so yeah, Mark Phillips, the second year of designing there. So that was great. Um, yeah. Just, uh, do you think was, he might, do you think he might beef it up a little bit next year? Just I believe sort of, they'll, yeah, it'll sort of start yeah. to, to get beef back up. Again. I, I, I only say that listeners, because, you know, there was a lot, uh, there was a tremendous amount of clear rounds and, and things, but I mean, it's, uh, one of those things. Um, but yeah, with any luck, it'll just get a little bit harder. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. You know, the people at Bromont is always a very big, tough track, and uh, people did the CIC sort of prepping for Bromont and went, oh, God, I wish we had a bit more. But um, still, I think it was a good, confident round for for most people, and they're sort of ready to go now. Good conditioning run, too, because it was, um, you know, there's some hills and such there. So, yeah, it was good. It was good. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Well, Max, we've got quite a long show, and um, our our trot set listeners were going to be pretty excited because there's plenty for you to listen to uh, today. Um, we've got plenty of really cool guests, but first we will get to our title sponsor, Bit of Britain. I'm Jenny Brannigan, and I'm here to introduce to you Nunfiner's American-style cross-country boots. When you are running a cross-country course, it's important that your horse's legs are protected from concussion, whether it be from wrapping them on jumps or hitting themselves with their own hooves. These cross-country boots are the best quality you can buy. John Nunn is dedicated to using the best material he can, and he has updated the exterior to a 6080 denier nylon for extra durability. The American-style cross-country boots are foam-filled with wide, large, single-touch closure straps. The front boots are fitted with a shatterproof tendon guard, and the hind boots have a cannon bone guard for superior protection against concussion. Getting boot rubs can be oftentimes a dream-shattering thing to have happen if it happens to you at an FEI event and you can't treat them. I love using these boots whether I'm riding beginner novice or advanced. They really fit my horse's legs fantastically. They stay up and never slip down. Joining us now, we have Irish uh, young rider, we could call him, Carl Daniels. Hey, Carl, how are you doing? Great, great. Thanks very much for having me. No, well, thanks, thanks for coming on at, um, at short notice. So um, we wanted to have a bit of a chat to you and um, to get our listeners, especially on this side of the pond over here in the United States, to, just to know a little bit more about you. Um, you won two CIC sections in the three-star at Chatsworth this weekend, and um, which is a pretty awesome effort. And I had a quick look down the list, and it looks like you had another one there as well um, in the other class. Um, does that what you had there, the three horses this weekend? Yeah, I took uh, three horses over to uh, Chatsworth for the CIC three-star. Um, originally, it probably wasn't the plans originally, but um, we've had a little bit of a, 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 not a great start to the season over here with the weather and ground conditions. So, um, yeah, so I took three three-star horses over and they were in two different sections and um yeah, I ended up winning both sections, which was, um, I was delighted with the horses, ran very well, and the ground conditions were, were very good. They're as good as we're going to get so far this year. Um, I was delighted. Yeah. Have you ever been up to Chatsworth before? Uh, yeah, I was in the RM class uh, two years ago. Two years right. ago. It's a beautiful place. Beautiful place, Chatsworth. Yeah. 
And tell us about your horses. Um, so just before we got on the phone, my wife said that the one of the horses that you that you won on is a, the four star horse, and I can't even pronounce its name. It's called something. <laughs> Rigon Go on. River. You, yeah, thank you. Okay, tell us about this one first. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I got her as a six year old. Um, she's fifteen hands chestnut mare. Um, nice. Love those. Then, <laughs> really? Yeah, one of That's those. Wait, yeah. you had her at badminton um, last year, didn't you? I did. I took it to badminton Yes, last I completely. Year, so when, yep, I remember that horse. When I, I, took, remember that when I got her as a six-year-old, I ended up doing uh, junior Europeans with her in Jardy. And she finished individual seventh, and we won team gold. Um, the next year, I took her to Bishop Burton for the junior Europeans again as a seven-year-old and uh, she was individual silver and team gold again. Um, and then she's done some young rider Europeans where we've won medals there as well. And done, I done my first Nations Cup with her in uh, Bucklow when we won the Nations Cup there as well. And uh, last year I took her to badminton and um, she, she had a little bit of a bad experience at badminton in the dressage she um she got a little bit freaked out with the crowd and the atmosphere, so uh, unfortunately her dressage didn't go to plan. But she was very very good cross country, and she she sort of made up for it on the weekend um, with the cross country with quite a tough track. She uh, she found it very easily, but so she's a uh, yeah she's quite a special horse. So um, it's great to have her out and have her uh, winning a, a big class like that. Yeah, no, for sure, and like you know she's no slouch on the flat either. Um, you know, 31 dressage is pretty good going, um, isn't it? And she jumped clean and she had like uh, just a few time, yeah. But yeah, I mean, just it's, had a few time, yeah. yeah, but it's hard there though, isn't it? I mean, nobody, nobody makes it time, do they? You know, yeah, no, the, the time is tight there and the, there's plenty of hills. And she was my first of the three rides, and she hasn't done so much fitness work this year. We've concentrated a lot on the dressage over the winter and getting her happy with the atmosphere. and so we haven't been um, preparing her for any um, any top classes, but she is severely, she's very, very tough uh, mentally and physically. So even though she wasn't quite fit, she um, she's still able to run run hard on the occasions, and um, she she's just she's tough all around. Yeah. So what's your plan for her for the next sort of few months coming up? I mean, um... uh, so she's entered for Le Moulin, uh yeah. four star. So uh, yeah. she just does a little bit of work here at home, and then. Um, goes goes to Le Mans hopefully. So if we can we can replicate that in Le Mans, I'd be I'd be quite happy. Yeah, yeah, that would be. I'm sure you would. I'm sure you would. So tell us tell us about the other horse, Sammy Davis Jr. He won the he won Section uh, C, um, and um, looked like he had a really fast time cross country. Yeah, uh, so he's um, he he's actually owned by the same owner, Margaret and Frank Kinsler. So uh, it's quite special that it was it was uh, they own both the horses that uh, won. So I got him as a four year old and produced him from a four year old up along. Um, he's won international two stars from a six year old. Um, as a seven year old, he was second in a CAC three star. Um, so quite a quite quite a good horse. Um, very very talented in all three phases. He he does very smart dressage tests and finishes on it a lot of a lot of the time um so yeah he did it he did a nice test there were one or two mistakes and he got a 31 he's um he, he's very talented so like he could have been better i was hoping for a little bit of a better dressage test but uh he jumped well he hit the last fence down jumping 
um, unfortunately, but uh, it turned out that it was, he was still able to grasp them with a with a fast cross country round. He was uh, very switched on, and he he was he was obviously very fit, and he galloped well around the cross country. And yeah, he was he was quick enough. That's awesome. And so, and then you've got had the yeah, and you uh, and then you had the other one that finished 14. So you've got quite a few upper level horses. It's kind of nice to be able to practice a lot on that, hey. Yeah, yeah, I'm starting starting to build my string and starting to get uh, upper yeah horses at the higher level and trying to keep them there. The other horses, um, uh, he he little little bit greener at three star level. He's on a few three stars last year and um, he's starting to get there. And he was he was actually impressed me quite a lot on the cross country, even though he's a little bit green with all the combinations. He was he was very switched on, and I was still able to keep a good pace with him. He had seven time faults or seven penalties or something like that, which is Still quite good going, so he goes to um, Bramham CCI three star for the under twenty five class, and uh, the Sammy Davis Junior will go to Bramham, but he'll do the the senior class in Bramham. Right, awesome. very good. So, Carl, where's home exactly? Uh, I'm from I'm from Galway, which is be west of Ireland, but I, I'm based in Kildare. Um, in in uh, Calverstown and Kildare, which would be just forty minutes from um, forty minutes from Dublin, so it's quite it's quite central. I'm very very lucky in the base I'm in. It's a very very good setup with a cross country school and the gallops and a nice arena. So um, yeah, I'm quite lucky where I am. Yeah, and have these horses? I mean, like you you said about the weather and we know that everybody's had a really really tough time um this spring because it's just hosed with rain the whole time um have they did they get many runs in before you went over to chatsworth this time uh no they they got one run here at home one small um two-star run just just to get them um out of home really and uh then we i took them all to belton uh international and um they went to Belton in the with the intention of withdrawing them after show jumping because they were meant they were all planning on doing a CCI three star the week after in Ballandennis, um, right. but it Which turns out that Ballandennis was cancelled. So I ran them cross country, but I ran them quite slow, and um, it it hadn't been cancelled um, when I was running them cross country. But um, it was it was quite possible with the with the weather that we were getting. It was it was very very bad, so we couldn't see it running. So. I ended up running them cross country in Belton Flow, and um, that's all. That's all they'd got. So they only had uh, two two real runs. Yeah. So um, I was very happy with them coming out and being very uh, very switched on for the for the amount of form they had this season. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's surprising, isn't it, Max? Like, there's quite a lot of horses come out and haven't really done much, and they get up to speed fairly quickly, don't they? They are the ones that experience. have had the sort yeah. of a good pace and, and uh, you guys have, and you have a good partnership with, you can just sort of, you know, dust off the cobwebs on a good school and then get on with it. And a lot of times those other ones that have done it for a bit, they're just, they're so damn happy just to get out again too. They just like their job. Yeah. 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 So who would be, who um, did you grow up training with? Who would be your mentors from, from Ireland? Um, from Ireland, like when I was uh, back home, I, uh, I trained with uh, Ralph Conroy, who would have trained me through ponies. And um, for my my ponies, I went to um, a Pony Europeans in my last year of ponies and ended up winning the Europeans team and uh, individual. So I would have trained Ralph Conroy all through then. And 
then I, I set up on my own after that. And um, Ian Fern trains me a lot on the show gym. He's also the uh, senior show gym trainer, so that works. That works quite good, and um, my dressage trainer will be Ian Woodhead, who is uh, he's actually based in the UK, yeah. But um, is the Irish uh, dressage trainer as well. So uh, yeah, I train train with that quite a bit. Yeah, and so the aim is the aim for you to uh, to get to come over here and and uh, to try on in a few months, eh? Yes, definitely. That's definitely yeah. uh, <laughs> definitely my intention. So uh, hopefully, I've made a an okay start at it. So just need to keep it up now for during the season and. Keep my keep my results uh, somewhere like that. And yeah, which yeah. One no. would be your your favorite to your your hope that you would be able to take? Uh, I would probably pick on the Sammy Davis Junior horse. Uh, he is younger and he is less experienced, but um, I think in Tryon with the surface dressage and uh, the big arena, I think he could uh, pull a better dressage score, and um, which would obviously bring a better team score and. I'd be confident that we I could uh, be quick cross country and hopefully jump clear around on the last day with him. He's um he's got a very good head, even though he's a young horse. He um he's quite a competitor, so uh, I I think I would pick him. But if I had to take if I had to take my mare, I wouldn't be too disappointed either. She's, <laughs> yeah, she's um she she's yeah. good too. So it's it's a nice nice uh, position to be in. Yeah, no, it sure is, and. Um, there's um, quite a bit of depth and strength at the moment for Ireland, which is no fantastic for you guys. Um, yeah, for not- sure. Yeah, no, there's a, there's a lot of strong competitors there, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a competitive year for um, for Wake selection. So uh, it's it's great that we have a, a lot to pick from and a, a depot to um, for with good horses and good riders, because in the end of the day, that's what you need. You need to be competitive at home before you go to a team competition, so you can give everybody a run for their money. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Carl, thank you so much for coming on and giving us no a bit problem of a chat, talking to us and stuff. Um, and good luck at Le Moulin, um and Bramham. And I mean, sounds like you um, you really like the horses are getting ripping into it at the moment, aren't they? I mean, like in the under twenty five class, that's a great class to go to as well um, and stuff. So yeah, good luck for that. And yeah, good hopefully. We will see. Hopefully, we'll catch up with you when you're over here and uh, we'll try on. Look forward yeah. to it. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Super. Best of luck. Super. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. The Eventing Riders Association of North America is the collective voice of riders, equine professionals, and owners in pursuit of enhancing the growing sport of eventing in North America. In cooperation with our members, governing bodies, related committees, and organizers, ERA of NA works to improve the overall welfare, safety, visibility, and growth of the sport. ERA of NA, your voice matters for the sport of eventing. Jump in and engage by becoming a member today. Find them online at www.eraofna.com. And joining us now on the show is one of my new favorite people of Serenity Physical Therapy. Welcome to the show, Sharon Clausen. Nice to be here with you today. And so, Sharon, you and I met at a uh, at a pretty cool uh, symposium that we went to just recently. That Mark Ravenot's a little bit of his his brainchild. This um, sports medicine um, sort of physical therapy. Um, 
you know, think tank and, and all that good stuff. And uh, we were lucky enough to be out in Omaha, Nebraska, and, and you were a huge part of putting that together. Tell our listeners a little bit about what happened there and what we did. Well, Mark Revenow, about uh, four or five years ago, he was working um, with the USCF, and he's, I am also part of the USCF High Performance Group. And Mark, one of the initial reasons when he contacted me, uh, me having been in sports medicine for about, at that point, like 34 years, wanted to know what we do in human sports medicine and how we can integrate it into equine sports medicine. So we really kind of started at that point in time to get those were, uh, that were involved uh, in the team approach um, in the human world and kind of what can we take from the human world, extrapolate that information and do that in um, equine sports medicine. So this has been a series of probably three or four meetings and it culminated by um, in Omaha, which I helped hope and facilitate. We worked with the Nebraska Athletic Performance Lab, um, where they do a lot of biomechanical evaluations and they have a state-of-the-art lab, really kind of to show how we can integrate that technology and utilize that um, to put for our, not only your equine athletes, but our equestrian athletes as well. So there were, um, the first day was predominantly human sports medicine, and then the second day was predominantly uh, veterinary medicine. And it's a group of um, elite, uh, um, those in it, that are elite in the human sports medicine world, but predominantly many of the team vets and um, elite individuals, professionals, such as yourself, Max, were included in on this, to really kind of come together and collaborate, share ideas and thoughts, and then really uh, work together to try and improve the performance, longevity, and prevent injuries uh, in both the equine and the equestrian athlete. Yeah, it was quite a quite a chunky full couple of days. <laughs> I was pretty pretty tired <laughs> by the end, but it was uh, it was just amazing to be a part of it and to be around all those guys and um, to uh, to to be there. And um, I feel like everybody went away thinking more and wanting to do more and. And I guess our next step now is going to try to try to get all that information into where we where we can get into the hand in, into the horses and actually getting used. Isn't that that's sort of the next step, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I think the most important thing is that, you know, and, and as we've discussed in these meetings, human sports medicine takes a team and it's really us sitting down, talking to each other. And the ultimate goal is to work with, you know, the horses. And I'm a I'm not a researcher. I'm a, a clinician. I'm out here practicing and that is the most important thing. We always have to remember that the horse is the utmost of our concern. And we all have to take, all of us have to work together in whatever skill set we have and share that um, with those that are taking care of the horse. Um, and there's a lot of information that's out there that hasn't been um, passed along, a lot of education that can be shared. And I just think that, you know, when you have a team approach, that really is the only way um, to really approach any type of sports medicine. Yeah. For both, for both humans and horses. And so, I mean, you see, I mean, how many riders uh, are, are crippled (laughs) as Joe will tell you. I mean, everybody's thrown or, or, or done their back or done, you know, their, I broke my wrist and, you know, my hip is this way. And so, you know, you work on a lot of riders and, you know, talk a little bit about, uh, I mean, I'm sure the people are probably a little bit, um, weary of being worked on because they're just fine. Everybody's fine. They don't have a problem. Well, I think, I think that, you know, the, every discipline, uh, generally speaking, um, equestrian sports, riders all have their similar 
um, problems that they all have. And those problems predominantly start because of the position that they're in, and it's really the hip and the pelvis. Well, that spreads all the way up the spine. And it's funny that you say that because I treat probably 30 to 40 horses a week and 30 to 40 riders a week. And they come to me, um, it's either um, a chronic issue that they find out that I'm there and they want to get treated, of course, then they might have an acute injury. But they come into me and they'll say, they come in for like, say, a cervical injury. And I'll say, okay, give me a little bit of history. They proceed to tell me I fractured my collarbone. I had an ACL knee injury. I broke my pelvis. And they, they have a <laughs> That's me. <laughs> I just look at yep. and I say, you can only have two right now. Two, please. Two. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that, I think that, you know, there, there's a great need. And because I'm out here in the field, there's a great need for the riders to, um, you know, to be not only taken care of because in working all the other sports, we need physical therapists out here. We need individuals that can help them, particularly when they're at the event, whatever competition they're at. It's very important that, um, that we have someone that we have someone out here. So I treat a lot of them, set them up, not only treat them, but then set them up on exercises, um, to help them so that when I'm not around, they can help themselves. Okay, so Sharon, I've got a question, and that is, if you are someone like myself or other riders, and we have an injury, and we think that we need some physical therapy or whatever, how do we get through the minefield of sharks out there that just want to take our money? And like, say, you go to a chiropractor and you say, oh, well, you know, come back tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. I mean, like, how do we how do we get to someone a bit like yourself that might just know a bit more about actual riders? Um, are you talking about um, in the United States? Or are you yeah, talking about in the United States. States. Yeah. Um, For a I will, start. I will tell, yeah. I, yeah. I will tell you that um, I think, first of all, that you, first of all, anybody can call me <laughs> from wherever they are in the country or, or get a consultation from me if need to be. There are physical therapists, generally speaking, most physical therapists can evaluate um, any type of injury, you know, whether it's basketball, soccer, football, riding, um, uh, tennis, whatever it is. They have the knowledge to do that. I'm a little bit unique because I ride as well. So I have a little bit more of an understanding of what the sport um, entails. I think that going to somebody, whatever it is, they need to have a degree. Um, you have a lot of individuals, particularly out here. I jokingly refer to people being out here in the, in the, in the equestrian world as the wild, wild west. Because all sorts of things are thrown at riders. You need to use this machine. You need to do this. You need to do this. You need sound medicine. I mean, you need somebody who has has a degree, has the education, who definitely uh, can help you. And most physical therapists, like say, let's say you ride and you you strain your back. You know, you go, uh, you know, you have a you have a, a event and you just you have a terrible back pain. It's radiating down to the back of your leg. Any physical therapist can help you with that. Uh, basically, they'll take you out of pain. It'll increase your range of motion, increase your strength. But the most important thing that they will do is they'll set you up on exercises so you don't have to keep coming back and seeing them again and again and again. That's really our goal is really to get our athletes as independent as possible um, and also teach them, uh, you know, what they can do to kind of treat themselves. So there are physical therapists all throughout this country that uh, go through, um, you know, that have a degree and it's a doctorate program here in the United States. So there's many that you can reach out to uh, that, that should be able to assist you. Okay. So my next question is, 
Do you see certain injuries in certain levels of riders and age groups? Um, no, I do not think that it's inclusive. Um, naturally, the less talented rider would probably have a tendency or less fit rider will have a tendency to have overuse injuries or traumatic injuries, um, falls. But I see elite athletes, because I treat FEI, I see elite athletes, um, and as you know, um, with any of the, the major events, I mean, you have a lot of falls that, um, that occur, uh, and, and those uh, more traumatic injuries, um, or you have in the elite athletes, you have more chronic repetitive or postural um, problems, they never get them fixed. They never get themselves fixed. They have an injury. They never fully recover. They never fully strengthen. And they go back in it again and again. So when you're talking about creaking as a rider or having all these um, injuries, uh, just think about any other sport, um, any other elite sport. Um, they all have physical therapists or athletic trainers that are working with them. And you're going to have at lower level, you are going to have some different type of injuries, but you're going to have, I, I treat, I treat, um, amateurs and juniors all the way up to, um, you know, FEI world cup and Olympic athletes. And, and they have similar type injuries. Uh, interestingly enough, the elite athletes just don't address them. <laughs> right. They just keep on going. <laughs> Yeah. And okay. So here's another question. Like as in a fitness level. Okay. Is there, does, does the fitness level go with the ability of the rider or does it something like an age thing or, cause I mean, like from my experience, and this is quite a few years ago now talking to people like yourself, they would say that, you know, riders get stronger and fitter as they get into their sort of mid twenties to, to thirties, you know, because kids can sort of, they go off a bit of natural instinct and they're fairly strong and fit and all the rest of it, but they don't actually really knuckle down and work really hard until they start, their body starts to tell them. Is that true or not? Well, I think really, I think it really depends individually upon the athlete. You know, you have some, you have some athletes that are, you know, 18, 19 and 20, and they're just, they're, they're, they're really committed. And then you have other ones that have had some injuries and, you know, they know, you know, they're not in their twenties anymore and they really have to, um, you know, really be committed to an exercise program. I think it's really dependent upon, um, you know, the athlete and their level. Some athletes are just natural athletes and they maintain a high level of fitness and they don't really need to do much. Um, so I think it really kind of depends. I'd like to be able to give you an exact um, answer to that question, but I don't think that I, I really can um, because it's really specific to each uh, athlete, you know, that, that you're working with. Um, so some of them have to work harder and some of them don't have to work as hard. However, when they get older, they're going to have to do something because they're not going to be able to compete with the younger ones. Like when you're in your fifties, you can't compete with the 20 year olds. You really need to do something. Yeah. I don't know. I asked Mark Todd. He doesn't do too bad, actually. <laughs> but, I, but I think, yeah. no, he loves his yoga, though. I know that for a start. Yeah. Now, yep. my next my next question was, give us some examples of rider injuries that sort of transform down into the horse's way of going. Oh, wow. Do you know what okay. I'm trying to, I, you, yeah. you know what I'm trying to say here? Yep. Yep. Okay. So really how, and I've done a lot of work on this. Um, not only have I, have I evaluated the horse 
separately and the writers separately and then the two of them together. Much of what I'm going to tell you is anecdotal. Um, there's no research behind any of this. We're hoping to get this, but uh, I will give you some examples that might, you know, kind of help you understand this a little more, a bit more. If you have a writer, for example, um, that has a that has low back pain, so a writer has low back pain, they're going to maybe shift over to one side more or the other. So the horse, let's say they shift to the right. So if the horse shifts to the right, when or the rider shifts to the right, when the horse goes over a fence the horse is going to compensate and they're going to swing the haunches to the left. Okay. And then what will happen is they'll, a couple things will happen. Uh, they'll land more on the right four when they land and they have that twisting um, in the haunches. And over a long period of time, you're going to have a lot of changes, pathological changes, um, subclinical, which can lead to um, SI problems, uh, lumbar problems, um, stifle, hock problems on that left side. And so you see by just a simple rider position um, and changes with that, you also see riders, uh, not at the elite level, but more lower levels, they'll be pounding on the horse's back. Um, and, and that's something, of course, that just common sense tells you the horse is going to have back pain. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of riders are right-handed. So the horses will have greater um, range of motion in their necks going to the right than they will the left. And they, interestingly enough, will have more range of motion of the ribs on the left and less on the right. So that affects the horse, too. It affects their stride. It affects their ability to flex. And uh, if you have a problem in the back, then it can compound itself in the horse um, with lameness issues in the front end as well. Sharon, you've said that you've gone to a barn and have worked on a on on one rider's horses a few times, and um, you work on the one horse, and you see the same problem with each horse, and then you sort of look to the rider and say, "Okay, you you know, what's going on with yeah. you?" Yeah. Well, I get a lot of I get, shouldn't say a lot, but vets will refer me, and they'll say, "You know what? I'm treating these horses. The same thing's happening again and again. They're ridden by the same rider." And you need to go in. And, and so I go in and I'm fortunate to be able to go in and to look at the rider and to assess the rider and then say, listen, this is what's happening to your horses. This is how you are affecting your horses. So at that point in time, if I go into barn and one rider is really predominantly riding all these horses, um, I'm like, you know, it, 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 I have to explain to them and I do slow motion video analysis and I do a, evaluation of them. And then I correct their, their problems that they have, and then it transfers, and then the horses all just miraculously get better. Because you showed us a very cool, when we were out in, in Omaha at your, at your beautiful farm there, the, um, you had the sensors on the rider, on the rider. you did the same thing, that, I think it's called the catapult system, is that right? Um, well, you I did put the, the, there, there, there was it. Was it the Qualysis system or the motion detectors? Is that what you were talking about? I can't. It's you just had. You could tell where the you know looking at the riders and and if they were crooked or unbalanced or something. It was just. Yeah. It was very very interesting. And and then you yeah. showed like once you corrected that person, the horses jump changed so much. Yeah. It was yeah. very very um, very yeah. interesting to see. Well, if you look at it, you know, if you really look at it, if you have, if you have, um, you know, another sport I make an analogy to, if you have pairs figure skating, if you, you have to look at both of the athletes and we have the only problem, the only difference is that we're dealing with two different species, but one of them affects the other. I would say that the rider, just because of all my cases that I see and all my, all my athletes that I work at, the rider I would say the rider affects the horse more than the horse affects the rider, um, seemingly. Now, you have horses that will jump hard to the right. You'll have horses that 
um, you know, they'll, they'll kick hard behind and that's definitely going to affect the rider as well because they have to compensate. Um, but the horse, generally speaking, has to compensate from the shift of gravity that the riders have or they, they don't ride very well um, or they put more, they have, uh, they're stronger in one leg than the other leg. They sit crooked on the horse, their spine is crooked. So I've really found that generally speaking, the rider affects the horse more than the horse affects the rider. Yeah, it was, you know, of course, that's one of those things we sort of go, well, duh, of course, we know that. But it's interesting when, you know, when there's actual scientific proof on a lot of these, I feel like there was a lot of that that went on that weekend. We Well, yeah, duh. But, you know, it's sort of bringing it back into our brain of something that's very, very simple that, um, you know, we can we can do and it, you know, for ourselves to make the horses better. And, you know, it's um, it it all makes sense. (laughs) Well, it's, it's really easy. I mean, even if you take, even if you take a simple, you know, to make this um, palatable so people can go out, even if you take your smartphones and you just do a slow motion video analysis, you, you stand behind somebody that's jumping over a fence or you stand behind somebody and you have them trot or you have them canter and you have them canter towards you and have them canter away from you. Just take your phone and just do slow motion. You'd be amazed at what you'd find out. I mean, you even yourself can just take a piece of tape and put it like across your shoulder blades and down your spine. And, and you can take like uh, those little garage sale stickers on the, the back part of your boot and just put those and then just ride forward and ride, I mean, right away. And you'll go, oh my gosh, you'll just be able to see how you can break it down <laughs> yourself. And you're like, oh, I'm really crooked. Like, ooh, I'm like, my horse is crooked. Maybe, maybe I'm the problem. <laughs> right. It becomes uh, interesting. Obvious. <laughs> yeah. 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 So one of the big things that you and I talked about Sharon, because obviously you do, your world is mostly jumping and, and, um, and with the jumpers and you jump yourself and cause yeah, you are, you know, fairly successful, um, rider too. And so, um, but one thing we were discussing because obviously the eventing is my passion and, and sort of what I do, we were talking about, about recovery and, um, cause that's yeah. such a big thing for our event horses for them to, um, get ready to go do the next thing. And, and in the jumping too, it's, we forget, you know, we think, oh, they're just show jumping, but the jumpers at that top level, it's a big, the recovery thing is such a big deal. And, um, you know, we were talking and you just, you taught me a little bit about some interesting things, you know, especially for the show jumping itself, you know, there are times when, um, you know, Joe, you'll, you know, this, we, the riders come out of the show jumping ring. What's the first thing they do? They get off. Right. And, and we don't actually think about what the horses need to be fine the next, the next day or the next, you know, whenever they're going to be getting worked again. Um, so Sharon, talk to us a little bit about things that you know and you see you know, what things that you would do with your horses as you come out of the show jump ring. Well, I think um, when it comes in relation to show jumping or eventing or any type of thing where the horse is doing any type of aerobic or anaerobic exercise, um, you can relate it to human medicine as well. And you build up lactic acid. We all know what that lactic acid feels like. And you have to get rid of that lactic acid. And actually, research has shown that the best way to get rid of lactic acid in a horse is to trot. So when you stop show jumping, I always tell um, I always tell my riders, I'm like, you take that horse out and trot, drop the rein if you can, unless they're so hot, they can't handle it and just trot him nice, slow, long trot, trot him if you can for five to 10 minutes. And then you can cool down and then you can walk. That also gets rid of the lactic acid. And the, the way, the reason why it does that is it's just muscle pumping. I mean, if you just think about taking a bag and just pumping, um, then, uh, that's kind of what it does. 
Um, and uh, that's really important that you do that because then two days later, then you get two days later, what happens is you can get delayed onset muscle soreness. So that helps the horse to recover better. And that's something that's just, it's super simple. You just trot after any activity. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's you know? again, sounds simple. Well, it's like we would say, duh. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Hey, so no, but it's not, look, way back, way, way back. And this is before I started eventing, Max. They used to have a phase E, okay? Oh, really? And, yes. And after the cross country, Okay, after you'd gone for a million miles anyway, you had to go and trot them off. Okay, I yeah. mean, this, yep. and this, and this, this has been around for a while. This is like not new yep. news, you no, know. No. Old, um, we all we all knew this, and I was actually, uh, it's strange, I've seen it around a bit, you know, and we probably should all do it. I mean, I know that when I when I finished my gallops, um, the horses trot for at least five minutes yeah yeah uh, sometimes sometimes yeah. 10 on the way home and it's just probably because i've just got into a really good spot and i know that the, i've got a really good place to trot home and then and, and things and i trot them home then i time my walk for 10 minutes afterwards and then i get off and and yeah. you know if my stethoscope's handy i have a listen to their heart and if not i just hold my yeah. finger on it and just count and, and see where i'm at but i mean that's like you know sort of older and more experienced but there's been places where I've gone, like Sweden was one years ago, and they were all coming out of the ring and they're trotting two or three laps of the warm up after their show jumping round. And we thought yep. the, all, these, all these jumpers were a bit nuts, you know, because like, what, you know, you just got to jump around. What are you worried right. about? But that, they, they knew what they're doing, you know, and it is all part of it. And Well, a little bit on with that too. I think there are a lot of things that um, have been around for a long time, but I just think they need to be kind of. Um, they need to be brought up again. And there, there are simple things that you can do. Um, you know, Max, you're referring to recovery too. The other thing too, is that coming from the human sports medicine, um, arena, we put ice like icing. I think we talked about that a little bit about when to ice and ice and that kind of thing. Well, it's just, you know, it, it really is kind of common sense in a way you cause microscopic trauma and it can go from point A to point B and you want to stop it as soon as possible. So really icing as quickly as you can will stop that inflammatory process, you know? So it's, it's just something that people need to be aware of. Um, they need to try and do, um, you know, the best form of icing actually is ice water. Um, it's been, you know, it's, it, it's the best, but not, not, not everybody might have that. Um, but ice, putting ice on as soon as possible um, really is the, the most important thing. And I'm amazed at how many people, like, they'll take the horse and they'll walk them, they'll give them a bath, they'll walk them around, it's like an hour later. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you just missed a great opportunity because that is part of recovery as well. Um, you know, and, and, and it really helps, it really helps the healing process and helps them to recover. Why is ice water the best form of ice? Because it reaches the therapeutic level of icing. That is the best. That's the, that's the answer. <laughs> like research has shown it. Research has shown it. Research has shown, but that that is the best form of icing because it it reaches. And don't ask me because I don't have it off the top of my head because I'm not a researcher. But it 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 provides the best form of the best method of icing those tissues um, more so than anything else. Right. What about ice water with salt in? Make it even colder. You you can put ice water with with salt in it as well. Um, the the 
I, I haven't done research on that, so I can't tell you what, what the difference is. I mean, yes, you can make it colder. Of course, you know, you have to be careful that, you know, you're, you're not getting up, you know, above the knee on the horse um, because then you have the soft tissue in there. I mean, basically below it, God kind of made these great animals, so they just have the tendons and ligaments uh, down below, and so you can ice those pretty intensely, you know. So salt water, it, it, putting salt in it is, is good as well, but just plain ice water is is really the, the best form of icing. And you were saying not above the knee. Is that because that's where the muscles start? Is that what you're, you're saying? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can okay. for a certain period of time, but yeah, that's where the muscles, I mean, I always... We always have a, I have a slide that's so funny because I'm from Omaha, Nebraska, where it does snow and we go <laughs> out and we have a, we have a joke and that what we, uh, there's a slide I show my new presentations and, and I just have the snow and I have this mare and she's in all this, this snow in two trash cans. <laughs> and I'm like, here's how we ice in Omaha. <laughs> kind of. Hey, whatever works, right? Slushy. Yeah, Slushy's exactly. Good. Yeah. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So is there anything else you want to tell, you know, have tell our listeners and um, uh, anything, any, um, you know, good, good places to read up on things, any, um, any tips? What else, what else can you know, tell our listeners? We could sit here and have you on forever, but we, you know, we got to, you know, our friends have <laughs> two trot sets to this. They, they need to stop at some point. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think, I think the most important thing, one of the most important things is you need to recognize that for the, for the riders, you guys are athletes, you know, this is a, this is a sport and, um, you need to take care of yourselves as much as you take care of the horses, you need to take care of yourselves. And it's a very demanding sport. It's a very dangerous sport. Um, you spend hours and hours at it. We're very passionate about, um, what we do and, you know, eventers, the riders themselves take a, a lot of, uh, insult to their bodies. And you can do it when you're younger and when you get older. And then when you get older, if you don't really start doing things, you kind of, you know, you just kind of get by and you kind of compensate and nobody really knows and your skill level is, you know, a lot better. But I would just tell you, you know, there are, there's a lot of information out there. You know, Joe mentioned yoga. I mean, stretching is very, very good. There's a lot of information out there on that. Um, you know, I don't know in, in this podcast if you anybody can reach out to me or you max and get us connected whatsoever, but just take care of yourself, start taking care of yourself. Uh, it's, it's just really important because I see so many riders that are in their thirties and they're in pain and they don't need to be in pain. I mean, to have chronic pain is ridiculous. It, it's, it's just not necessary. And so we as riders need to start looking at ourselves and going, Oh yeah, we're, we're athletes too. It's not just the horse. So I think that's the biggest thing um, that I see uh, we neglect ourselves as riders and we don't need to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And rider fitness is also very important no matter what level you're doing, isn't it? Yes. Rider fitness is very important. I would say probably for a rider, the biggest thing would be core strength. A rider needs very, very good core strength more so than like, well, I take that back. No. Um, our venters need, you need aerobics, aerobics and core strength, very, very important. And then second, and then tertiary to that would be, um, you know, uh, stretching and maybe some specifics, but aerobics and aerobic capacity and core strength, very important because if you have core strength mainly and the balance, you'll be able to do everything with, you know, your arms and your legs, uh, can help balance you on the horse and keep you on the horse. Very important. Yeah. So, and if people want to find you, you do have a Facebook page, Serenity Physical Therapy. Yes. 
And they can message me on that if they need to anytime. I'm pretty good um, about getting back to them. And um, I'll be more than happy to help in any way. I, I work and treat with writers um, basically all over the world. Just don't call me from Latvia and ask me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might not be able, to, I can try to evaluate you over the phone, but I might not be able to <laughs> help as much. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Sharon, we're going to let you go and get out of your wet clothes because you've just finished a, a class. How did you, how, how was your class? Did you jump well? Uh, the class was actually good. And I'm, 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 yes, I did. Now I'm going into the meter 40. So oh, I'm, good. I'm, so you're about to do that. So we need to let you go and, walk your course and see what you're doing. Well, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all very much for including me. Um, This is, I I really appreciate the time and energy that you're doing towards this. Um, I I think it's, I think it's great. And uh, you know, any questions that I can help answer Um, once again, I'm very passionate about physical therapy. I'm very passionate about um, horses and all the sports included in it. And thank you very much for you for doing this and reaching out and providing this information for everybody out there, because that's awesome. Way to go. guys! Joining us now is the hat trick champion from the weekend. uh, Boyd Martin. Welcome to the show. Yep. Thanks, Maxie. Good to be on, on the show. How how are you guys all going? Not bad. Not bad. You've uh, you had kind of a sort of a busy weekend at, at the old Jersey fresh, didn't you? Uh, it was, um, yeah, it's you know it's a, an event that's close to me, and uh, sort of uh, like to prepare all the horses that are going to Bromont there, and also uh, spin a few around the CCI, you know, the three-day event for the two-star and three-star. So I, I actually had a few more entered there, and I, I ran them the weekend before at um, MCTA and some this weekend at Fairhill. So uh, I got a, a good group of upper-level horses at the moment, so it's. Good, actually, being able to sort of, you know, pick and choose and place them at events that they suit them to. Yeah. So, uh, tell us, talk to us a little bit about the group you had here. You had um, uh, a couple in the two star, a couple. I mean, what did we figure out? You jumped what two hundred and seventeen cross country jumps on Saturday. Is that what they were saying? <laughs> yeah, I read that this morning. Actually, it was. Uh, <laughs> It felt like at two on Sunday morning, to be honest. I was, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to get a bit old, I think. Um, but uh, I had my my old mate Shamwari in the CIC two star. Funny enough, he was some seasoned horse, but in the easiest class. I just thought I'd give him a nice spin around uh, an easy track. He's just getting prepared to go to Le Moulin four star in a couple of weeks. And, and had a really exciting mare in the CCI two star. From Chris Turner, it's a, a mare called On Cue, um, so it's a it's a real nice one uh, that won it. And then it also had in the CIC three star Kira having her first start. He's a mare, real good jumping there. And then Steady Eddie, who bombed out at um, at uh, Kentucky, well, <laughs> retired at, at Kentucky after a run out. And then. Um, and I had two first-time CCI three-star horses in Long Island T and Ray Price. So, um, so yeah, it was a big weekend, mate. Busy enough, busy enough, and and um, and some of these horses you've had for a bit, and some are you know new-ish to you. And so, I mean, how were you, were you pretty happy with um, you know where they are and what you're planning to do with them and all that? 
Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm getting in a better and better position, to be honest. And, I mean, uh, Joe can contest to this is, you know, when you first come to sort of restart your whole career, you've you basically just got to fill your barn up with whatever comes your way and, you you know, you ride a fair <laughs> bit of junk and, yeah, and you break bones and, uh, you know, and it's, to be honest, it's not that fun, Like, but you just got to do whatever it takes to get going. And then as the years have gone by, I've, you know, sort of unloaded the worst one and tried to pick a nicer one coming through. And uh, I think now that I've been here 10 or 12 years, the the, the nicer ones that have come my way are sticking around and uh, the, the group that I'm riding are better and better. So it's the results are better, but the, the biggest re- the reason for the results being better is just the quality of the horses coming through are nicer. And uh, the best part about that, it's, it's really enjoyable to compete them, you know, because you're, you're enjoying schooling them on the flat or you're enjoying, you know, you're not worried about breaking your neck cross country and you, you don't have to <laughs> yeah. pray too much in the show jumping and it's it's fun actually it's uh yeah. you know there's been many many uh you know challenges to get to this point so. it's that it's that nice feeling of going to an event and not having to think how the hell is this horse ever going to do this more like <laughs> yeah. more more like these these are the things we're going to have to do to 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 achieve what we're doing, you know, isn't it? Um, so I got a question, and that is, so you're into a better a team of better horses, and that you know I know it takes a long time. Are these horses that like you've produced sort of from lower levels yourselves, or is it a collection, or is it of, a, of a, where have they all sort of come from, and and yeah. and what have you? What do you think about that? Oh, to be honest, I I do it all. You know, I um, you know, I buy two and three year olds every year, and I breed some actually, and then I also am not afraid to go try and buy one that's ready made. And um, you know, the group that I had on the weekend was a bit of everything. I bought Steady Eddie from Australia as a off the track thoroughbred, and uh, Long Island Tea and Shamwari sort of bought at the uh, the upper level already. So. I don't personally have a set method. Um, you know, if I'm, it's very, very hard to get owners to buy horses. It's, everyone thinks it's easy. It's, it's not a day goes by where it's, you know, I'm not pulling my hair out or begging people to buy horses. And, um, you know, and, you know, we're very lucky now that um, a couple of, couple of great supporters are backing me and horses like Long Island Tea and, um, and uh, Shamwari, you know, they're pretty, what I think is an expensive horse and had to rally a group behind it. And then like Ray Price that was in the three-star, I bred him in Australia. So sort of had a bit of everything there. And, yep. you know, going forward, there, there is a penalty for buying a, a made horse, to be honest. Like it's, uh, you know, to buy someone else's three-star horse or two-star horse or four-star horse, you you are shortcutting all the donkey work, all the years and years of hard training, but you are buying someone else's horse, you know, and you're buying, you know, you don't really know the level of soundness or the level of fitness that it's endured through its life. And definitely there's things that, that no one wants to sell their good horse, you know, like the, 
If a horse is for sale, it's usually for sale because it's got a ding in it, and then you've got to figure out what that ding is, and um, <laughs> and is it a ding that you can fix? And uh, the horse that won the three-star Long Island Tea, I bought off a good mate of mine, uh, Peter Barry, and to be honest, it was it's one of the nicest, moving, beautiful dressage horses I think in the world in eventing, but definitely had a ding in it across country and and in the jumping and. Um, to start with, I think I think I really I thought I really screwed up, you know, because I probably, you know, paid a bit of money for the horse, and you know, the first six months were just a mess, and I honestly thought I'm I've bitten off way more than I can chew, and um, it goes to show you, you've got to be patient and keep chipping away, and and I've got to say, in the last couple of months or six months, it's just we we both clicked, you know, and he sort of likes me and I like him, you know, and, uh, and we're away now. And, uh, you know, I think he's, he's going to be exciting. So, um, so I hope that answers your question, Joe. Yeah, it does. And I, no, no, you're right. You're right. I want to, I want to throw in that, that, that does happen. And it's happened to me, um, a few times. And when you, you might be bringing up a horse yourself or you, you're trying to patch up someone else's horse that hasn't gone fantastically well or whatever, but it's the support of the owners is what really matters. And, you know, like people that can can understand that things aren't going to go perfect all the time, that there's a process in it and it may may take a long time. I had one very good horse once that um, it was in England and it was a homebred and it was owned by my parents and, and me and, and I was basically of the thought, well, if this was owned by someone else, they probably would have taken it off me by now because it was one year I just couldn't I, – I crashed it, I fell off, it slipped over, the, you name it, everything happened. And then and then a year later, um, everything just clicked into place and the horse was, you know, running around the biggest events in the world. And, and it's just it, – it is takes time, doesn't it, Boyd? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a long road and, uh, you know, you get – I got one lady that owns a, a few parts of horses for me, and she said, uh, "You have to take your time with horses, or they'll make you." You know, and it, it couldn't it couldn't be more true that you know, like if you that you you can't you can't fast track the process. So it's uh, yeah, and like you, Joe, I've, I mean, I've screwed up more times than everyone put together. So <laughs> it's, good, it's good when it comes off, but it's not always as, as nice as what I had on the weekend. Yeah, well, I'm really, I'm really happy. Like Long Island Ice Tea is going so well for you because it just, it doesn't seem so long ago that we were in the practice arena at the Wellington Showcase. Oh, um, show bloody hell, tape. mate! <laughs> I, I honestly, when I walked that course, um, I honestly was seeing myself like so. We've, I just to tell all the listeners, you know, we bought the horse and I got a fair few people from Wellington to chip in on him. And the first event was the uh, Wellington Showcase. So all 10 of them flew down to see this new horse, and it, it was just a stupid thing for me to do. Uh, you know, I definitely wasn't, wasn't had a, didn't have a partnership with the horse. And I walked the course that morning, and it was a proper, proper metre 30. Yeah. It felt like a metre 50. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm dead. And all I, I was trying to think, okay, what about if I fake the colic? You know, like just said, oh, I think he's colicking, you know, and, uh, you know, somehow withdrawn the horse. But I ended up saddling the horse up and it stopped in the warm-up. It showed up and then it went into the ring and stopped out at the second fence. It was awful. 
It's yeah. awful. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny now. Oh. I mean, it's... it's uh, <laughs> no, it is. And you know when... Uh, have you seen that TV show when the drug mules are smuggling drugs out of South America and they're trying to trying to get the drugs back into, like, Europe or something? And they're going to the airport and they know that they're doomed. You know what I mean? Like, they know they're going to get caught, but they keep going on with it, you know, and then they get through the security and then they get on the plane and they, they just know they're doomed. And then they end up getting arrested and they go to prison for their life or something. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. You know, like, why would you enter that horse there? And then what were you thinking, like, when it wasn't going well in the lead up and the build up? I just, I knew I was screwed and I kept going. So don't ask me why. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. That oh, is, dear, yeah. Dear. Well, it's a success story. We'll, we'll talk about it. We like success stories. We like it. We like it. And uh, so, buddy, what's uh, what's next on tap for you? What's you've got? What you've got? Your place uh, up and running, and lots of cross country schooling, and um, and I see yeah, that. Wow, well, well, we thought that was. I no, thought it was I'll tell funny. you what we're doing now. We're we're building a uh, gallop track here. Oh, wow. um, so we so we've got a, a three quarter of a mile gallop track going in, um, which will be done in a couple of weeks. So. Um, and is that going to be grass ground, or are you doing all weather footing? No, it's synthetic footing. We're using uh, an English company called Atwood. Yep. And they've done a yep. jump ring and we've already got an existing track. And uh, so it's sort of three quarters of a mile and going up a hill. And it's pretty much the same footing as what you jump on in, uh, you know, you like at your ring, at Scotty's ring, you know, that silica sand with fibre right. and yep. GGT and all that stuff in it. So. I'm pretty pumped about that, actually. That'll yeah. be great. Um, yeah, so it's, we got a we our place is sort of in the heart of eventing countryside here yeah. in um, Pennsylvania. So we've we've done well building all this crap because it's cost a fortune. But we uh, there's a lot of riders in the area that come and pay a fee, and they come and um, they come and train on on their cross country schooling and and the gallop track. So. Um, so it's sort of paying for itself. I mean, it's weird to borrow a ton of money, but I think it like it should it should pay the pay the monthly thing. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. great. I have to call in on my way to Beaumont for the gallop. There you go. And you yeah. got uh, do you have horses for? Yeah. So. Um. Yeah, I got four or five for Bromont, and then I got and do you horse you have horses for Bromont, and then and then Chamwari to go to Lamula. Yeah, they, that's my know, plan. That's plenty. So, um, yeah, I got a couple gearing up, a couple ran well there at Jersey, so I mean with a good shot there, I think. So um, yeah, just working away, doing a bit of teaching in the afternoons, and. Uh, Got a good good bunch of horses in. Got a, about five, four or five three year olds at the moment. So we're doing all the babies at the moment. So it's no, it's good. Awesome, excellent, super, super, super. Well, Boydie, thank you so much for coming on the show, and congratulations on your weekend, and uh, best of luck at Bromont and uh, everything else in between. Fantastic. All right, guys. Well, thanks for having me on, and uh, I enjoy listening to your show and upwards and onwards. All right. All right. Cheers, buddy. See you soon. See you, guys. Bye. 
Well, Boyd's is busy as ever, isn't he, Max? No kidding. <laughs> yeah? yeah, I know. I know. He's between running his farm and all the horses he's got and everything else. It's uh, it is plenty. Yep, yeah, I know. Yeah. He said I've four got four or five for Bromont, making me feel a little bit inadequate because <laughs> I was like thinking three is just a nice round number. But anyway, three is a nice round yeah. number. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, depends on depends on how many people I'm taking. But if it's yeah. if it's just me and my lovely wife, three is a nice round number. But any yeah. more than that, so yeah, just me. I'm sure the entire time she's there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> she she'll be okay. Okay, <laughs> I think she might be bringing someone this year to to Good. help her out. Yeah. So, and things. No, what she hates is the drive up there. I actually really yeah. enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm fine. I just cruise along and just listen to. It is a long old drive. Our own our own radio show, Max. Just yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another good thing to do. But yeah, yeah, no, it is. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a long drive, and she whines a bit. But I think I've got um, <laughs> I've got one. I think Katie Katie Rupel's going to come and help us drive and stuff. Good, so perfect. This year should, should be good. So get up there. Well, Max, it's been quite a long show, and I think it's probably time that you got to these closing bits for us. Yeah. So everyone, thank you so much for listening to the Eventing Riders Association of North America podcast. You can learn more about Eventing Riders Association in North America at eraofna.com. You can find the links to today's guests and topics at eventingradio.com. Follow Eventing Radio on Facebook. Just search for the Eventing Radio Show and on Twitter at Eventing Radio. Listen to the Eventing Radio Show anytime, anywhere with the free Horse Radio Network app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. You can also subscribe by iTunes. Thanks again for our title sponsor, Bit of Britain. This is Max, and you can find me on Facebook at Max Corcoran Horse Care. You can find me on Twitter at MMC338, and you can find me on my blog that I will write again someday uh, when I'm not driving in a car at Max Corcoran WordPress. And this is Joe, and you can find me on my sometimes updated website, JoeMeyerEventing.com. You can follow me on Twitter, JoeMeyerEventR. You can find me on Instagram, Joe Meyer, and I'm on Facebook, Joe Meyer. So, listeners, um, thank you very much, and uh, we will probably see you, or we will talk to you again in two weeks' time. Bye, everyone.